This message is brought to you by this excellent church. We excel at reshaping people's values and reconciling men to God. You're about to hear peace and preach. Be blessed. The spirit of the Sabbath. The spirit of the Sabbath. I'll try to explain that. Listen. <clears throat> let's, let's open Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. From verse 1 says, And God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt and out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven, above or on earth, beneath, in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, am, for I the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents, to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me. Again, um, I don't want to take time, but I have to say this because someone might be hearing this for the first time. The sin of the parents is not that they did something, just like Abraham did something and then we are being punished in quotes for what Abraham did know. The sin of the parents is that they teach their children idolatry. Do you understand that? They teach their children idolatry and the children learn idolatry because the Lord has already told us in the book of Jeremiah that each man will suffer for his own sin. No man will suffer for his parents' sin. So you are not suffering because your father did something bad. Your father was not punished. It was you that was not being punished. No. You are suffering because your father did something bad and you are doing the same bad thing. Do you understand? Your father has been doing... That's where generational causes from. If, if you don't know... Please go and check the message last from last year. What was the title of the message again? Generational causes, right? Please go and listen to that message, right? The, whatever patterns you are seeing in your family is you behaving the way they are behaving. Do you understand that? Right? So, you know, the Lord will not allow, a cross-cross shall not come. You are not going to suffer for the presence of your parents. The sin of the parents is that they teach their children idolatry. Alright? Look at what it now says. It now says, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love and keep my commandments. So, if the child that come after the parents is a generation of those that love and keep his commandments, is it not good? Is it not love and mercy they are going to receive? So that's to let you know that the parents, the children are not suffering for what the parents did. Do you understand that? Dr. Femi, did you get what I just said now? Right? The sin of the parents is that they teach their children idolatry. Praise God. Praise Jesus. And I was saying that, see, the spirit of the Sabbath is this. Idolatry and the love of, and the love of, um, and the, love of the world are mirror images of each other. And so that's why the cornerstone of all our negative behaviors, all our evil behaviors, all our rebellious behaviors is idolatry. And the cornerstone of all our good behaviors, all our behaviors that are according to the will of God for our lives are walking in love. So that's why you notice something about the Ten Commandments. The commandment on idolatry is the only one that the Lord uses first person. He says, I am the Lord your God. You must not have any other gods beside me. I saved you. Maybe now go to the verse first, next one. He now says, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Did you see that? <laughs> and now first, begin, Moses, now begin, you know, Moses now begins to speak, as given to him, right, about the Lord. In the third person, but from the beginning, the Lord started by saying, I am the Lord your God. Why? Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12. Verse 28. There's something instructive here. Verse 28 says, one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, saying, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked them, asked him, 
of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one answered, the most important one answered Jesus is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than this. And he took that from Deuteronomy chapter 6, from verse 4 and 5. Hallelujah. Church out together. So, all the law, all the commandments about how to behave, the good behaviors, hang on this love. So that's why you'll see something interesting. First John chapter 2. First John chapter 2. First John chapter 2. Verse 15. Look at what it says. It says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So the opposite of the love of the Father is the love of the world. And the love of the world is what? Idolatry. The love of the world is idolatry. The love of the world is idolatry. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes from the Father, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires will pass away, but whoever does the will of God will live forever. So, we know that the law of Moses was a learning curve was the will of God to teach the Israelites and by extension us of what the eternal counsel of God is. And so he used hundreds of laws to demonstrate certain eternal things. And one of the eternal things that he communicated is that idolatry, the love of the world, anybody who loves the world cannot live in the will of God. Anybody who loves the world cannot please God. Anybody who loves the world, anybody that falls for any kind of idolatry cannot please God. Church, I hear what I'm saying to you. Anybody that falls for any kind of idolatry cannot do the purpose of God for their lives. They cannot do the will of God. Verse 17 says, the world and its desires pass away. Whoever does the will of God lives forever. Idolatry will not allow you to do the will of God for you. Idolatry, loving the world, will not allow you to be who you are meant to be. Loving the world will distort your life and distort your heart and prevent you from doing and being everything that the Lord intended for you. So one of the ways that the Lord used to teach the people of the old, you know, it might have been difficult for them to understand. So he began to give them laws for them to understand the principles. Just like you teach your your child when they are small, don't come back home after 7 p.m. Don't come back home after 7 p.m. You are teaching them the eternal counsel that, see, staying outside past odd hours is not something that is good. When they become adults, they understand that this thing is not something that is good. Church out together. Church out together. In the same way, the Lord was using the law of the Sabbath to teach them. Now, that law became corrupted because of the, of the understanding of the law, became corrupted over time because of the hardness of the heart of the, of the Jewish people, of the Jewish lawgivers. Not lawgivers, sorry, the law interpreters. Because of the hardness of their hearts, that law became corrupted. That law now became about controlling people and making people to just stay at home and not to do things. But from the Old Testament, we knew, like Dr. Femi so you know, put it very well, is that the essence of the Sabbath was not about just not working or working. Because we see from the atonement, from the priestly duties, from David and the delivering of 
animals that are about to die and, and delivering of people who are about to die on the day of the Sabbath, that what the Lord intended through that, what the Lord intended to teach the people through the law of the Sabbath is this, that there must be a day when you demonstrate, Brewery put it well, there must be a day I must give you an avenue for you to demonstrate that you will say yes to only me and say no to every other thing. Saying yes to only me involves also doing works that are for me. Do you understand that? So that's why certain works were allowed on the Sabbath. That's why works of the priest was allowed on the Sabbath. That's why the day of atonement was considered the day of the Sabbath. That's why saving an animal or a person that is about to die on the day of the Sabbath was what? Allowed. And that's why when Jesus came and healed someone on the Sabbath or plucked corn to eat, it was wrong to tell Jesus that it was a sin. Because all those works were unto the Lord. The day of the Sabbath is you demonstrating that you can say yes to the Lord and say no to money. You can say no to your parties. You can say no to every other thing. If you understand Jewish culture on the day of Sabbath, the way you do in the house, the way they eat, they give thanks and they eat the food, you know, the way they eat around the table is different and all that. It's a day that you spend time with your family teaching your children the law. It's a day when the, the father stays, stays home and mother stays home with their children and teach them the law and they recite the law and Moses. All those things are works unto the Lord. So the law of the Sabbath was actually the Lord teaching the people of Israel the first commandment in a different way. Do you understand that? Church, do you get that? And so that is the reason why when you read the Old Testament and you say there was a certain man um, in Numbers chapter 15 verse 32 that I, when I read last Sunday, a man was on the Sabbath going around and gathering wood and man was judged and you read it, you now say what kind of God kills people because they are gathering wood, the, way, the man was not judged because he was gathering wood, why was he judged? why was he judged? idolatry God is too big that you, one day you cannot say yes to him and no to every other thing. And this is the danger of idolatry that many people don't realize is that, see, you know I said this during that series on Faces of Salvation. It's not you that determines how bad sin is. It's not you that determines how bad sin is. Let me say something here. Many times people say things like, um, okay, I think I even said it that, that Sunday too. Many, many times people say things like, um, God judging people eternally or forever for the sin that they commit in this finite world is too much. Like how can someone go to hell forever for committing only adultery that is in this world? But the funny thing they don't think about is that why will someone go to heaven forever for only doing good in this world? That is a disproportionate reward. Because true justice is not just about punishing evil. It's also recompensing justly. So do you understand that? It's also a just recompense. So, if we want to be just, how can someone be punished eternally for doing evil in this world? Why should someone be rewarded eternally for doing good in this world? Why? Maybe it is not about what you do in this world. Maybe it's against who you do it. Maybe it's not about where you do it. Maybe it's about who you did it against. Do you understand that? You were created for his pleasure. All things were made by him and for him. You were made for him. Your purpose is in him. You are the fruit of his will. 
you emanated from his intention and the best you will ever be is when you are reconciled and you are one with him anything that stops you from doing that no matter how sweet it seems is actually doing you a great evil and it is doing it is standing in enmity against the will of God for his creation it is not a small thing do you understand that? do you understand what I'm saying? it is not a small thing it is not a small thing let me show you something the book of numbers let's open numbers numbers chapter 22 let me just we'll just go through the story now the, the, the book of numbers from chapter 22 to 24 is the story of Balaam the prophets and everybody knows that Balaam was a seer right you guys know the story of Balaam and then the Israelites had come out of Egypt and they were in the Canaan and the wilderness and then they had begun to take over the lands and their started, they started taking over from the last side of the Moabites and the Amalekites I think they are taking the Amalekites by this time and all that praise God so um, the king of the Moabites was now scared his name was Balaam Balak and Balak was worried and then he now said because everybody knows that Balaam is a man of God that his prophecies always come true. They know that it was someone that if he says something, it happens, right? You know, so why is that so? A lot of people ask me that question after the last series on, um, you know, power in the tongue. Why is that so? Why is that so? Let me tell you why that, that is so. Saying things will happen, and they happen in real world, is not about the power in your tongue. It's about the forces that are behind you. Do you understand that? So it's not even about your tongue. It's very, very possible that Balaam was, you know, being moved by demons. Hallelujah. You know, that's something that we don't take cognizance of, or we don't take seriously nowadays. And the apostles actually warn us of it. They are lying spirits. They are familiar spirits. Even from the Old Testament, prophets gather together to prophesy for kings. There is an evil spirit among them. If a demon uses your mouth to make, say something, and then that demon goes, goes to cook that thing, it will be like as if you are accurate. Of course, a demon can tell you someone's phone number. Do you know that? You don't know? Oh, okay. A demon can tell you someone's car plate number. It's not a new thing. It's evil spirits. Do you understand that? That is the reason why the current, you know, standard for naming someone a false prophet in our generation is too low. It has never been from Jewish time to Christian times. It has never been. It has never been. The standard is too low. First of all, the person might not always be correct. We still consider the person a true prophet. When the apostle already told us, Moses already told us, that if God says something, that thing will come to pass. If a prophet says something and does not come to pass, it's a false prophet. Just leave it. Moses even tells them, don't be afraid of them. Don't stress yourself. Don't be worried and say, ha. Don't worry yourself. He says a false prophet. Another thing is the kind of spirit. See, even Satan can disguise as an angel of light. Do you know what that means? That means that if Satan shows up and he wants to disguise, if you look at him when he's talking, you will think he's God. The only way you can tell is by the fruits of his behavior and the things that he produces. Just I get what I'm saying to you. If you want to use the way a person talks or the way a person looks or the kind of um, piety, outward piety that the person demonstrates, you will never be able to tell a demon from an angel. You can't. Forget all the things that you grew up with that when you were watching movies, you saw demons coming out with horns and tails and you thought demons looking black and then listen to me, demons don't look like that. 
demons don't look like that. Demons look fresh. Demons look nice. That's why demons have been controlling many people's lives and they did not know. Because you've been looking for something ugly to come. Demons look fresh. They look like an angel of light. If a demon shows up, you will say an angel came to me. That's why all those other false prophets that have been coming after from Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam to the other one, the king of the Mormons and everything, all of them saw a, 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 a prophet, an angel. Do you not know? And they were convinced. You know there are some convictions that if you lie, people can tell. They were convinced that they saw angel Jubrin. It's not as if they were this thing. They actually saw something. And those demons did something that they could see that their followers thought that they were real. Demons look fresh. A false prophet will look like a real one. It's when he starts behaving that you will know that he's a false prophet. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? And that's why all these, all these things that we do, you know, say, ah, he can't be able, we should not call everybody false prophet. I mean, many people are following him. He looks nice. He said we should pray for 12 hours and so what? What do you think he will say before? Do you really think a false prophet will come and say, or more, let's rebel against God. You come and say, guys, let's leave Jesus. Do you think what he was, that's what he will say? Have you ever seen a demon come and tell people, come on now, let's leave Jesus, let's deny God? <laughs> of course he will sound like a man of God. Of course. Career Apostle John put it. He says that there will be wolves in sheep clothing. That means there will be wolves under. But what you will see outside is sheep clothes. Until they open their mouth, you now see that it shaped it. In fact, sometimes they will eat a whole sheep and turn around. I'll be like, ah, where did the sheep go? See, I don't know. You don't know that the sheep has eaten another sheep. <laughs> because they look like sheep. people really think false prophets will look like no. Satan disguises an angel of light. And so that's something very important here that people don't realize. When you read this story with a new Pentecostal mindset, you'll be like, what did Balaam do? Shebi, they just said it should come and it should go and um, look at, let, let's read some commentaries. Let's read some commentaries of the apostles on Balaam. Second Peter chapter 2. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 15. Let's notice this verse number 13. It says, They will be paid back with harm for the harm they have done. Their idea of pleasure is to carouse in broad daylight. They are blots and blemishes. Look at the way the apostles are talking. They are blots and blemishes, reveling in their pleasures while they feast with you. With eyes full of adultery, they never stop sinning. They seduce the unstable. They are experts in greed and are caused brood. They have left the straight way and have wandered off to follow the way of Balaam, son of Beza, who loved the wages of wickedness. But he was rebuked for his wrongdoing by a donkey, an animal without speech, who spoke with a human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. When you read the story of Balaam in Numbers chapter 2, verse 22, chapter 22 25, it looks like, 2024, it looks like Kilo Letonye, the guy just said, come and cause people. Into now, he now stood up and now said, Ah, okay, oh, um, let me go and confirm from God. He actually said, Let me go and pray about it. Then God now said, Don't go. He now said, I cannot go. Then I'll say, Come now. He now said, Oh, you are stressing me. Let's just go. And then on the way, Donkey now said, 
donkey was now trying to go away and everything. Now said, oh, you now beating it. I will kill you today. Now said, oh God, why you won't kill me now? There's an angel in front of me. They now saw the angel and everything. If you read the story, you'll be like, Kilo here. Look at the way Peter is cursing Balaam. He said, an accursed brood. If he was in Yoruba, it would have been sweeter. Go and read it in Yoruba Bible. He says, they're an accursed brood. They're madness. Where is? If you read Balaam, you'll be like, ah, ah, what did Balaam do? Look at the way Apostle John talks about Balaam. Revelation chapter 2. Look at verse 14. He says, Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. There are some among you who hold the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin, so that they ate food sacrificed to idols and committed sexual immorality. Likewise, you have also you also have you have those who told the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Repent, therefore, otherwise I will soon come to you and I will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. If God fights against you, you know as you are done for. He says, they have gone the way of Balaam. Strong words against Balaam. But if you read the story, all you will just see is that it's like Balaam was just trying to do his best. You know, he now said, don't go and curse them. He now said, ah, okay, yeah, start cursing them. He now said, ah, I cannot. Whoever God has not cursed, nobody can curse. Um, God, you know, Israel, ah, you're a mighty man like a ox. You're going to deal with the Moabites. Kinikon, kinikon. Ah, I cannot curse you. Whoever God has not cursed you can. I'm just paraphrasing Nigerian English so that you can understand. You can read it yourself. I cannot curse you because God, the person that has sent me, I said I should not curse you. Kinikon, kinikon. I said, okay, leave that place. And let's go another side. Let's go to another angle. Maybe from this angle, you'll get in, in, um, in inspiration. They did another sacrifice in that angle. He stood again and looked at them from that angle. He said, ha, I cannot curse you. In fact, and I began to prophesy about Jesus. <laughs> and I said, no, this angle, you didn't curse well. Balak said, oh, Balaam, God, God punish you. I, I gave you money. to. I'm begging you to come and do something for me. Balaam said, I can't. Yeah, let's try another angle. Seven times, he went to different angles to try and curse the people of Israel. God did not grieve for him. And then after that, he now went back to his side. I said, ah, what did Balaam do that was so bad? Number 25. Number 25. False prophets can make themselves look like victims. False prophets will make themselves look like victims because this let me show you something so if you read chapter 25 because there's no time and i really want to you know finish this because as i'm moving to a new venue now i want to preach a powerful sermon <laughs> i want to finish this today <laughs> praise god if you read verse 25 let's just read it says verse 1 while israel was staying in shitting the men began to indulge in sexual immorality with moabite women these are people that they could not cause nothing could touch them he now says they began to indulge in sexual immorality with Moabite women. <laughs> okay, verse 2. Who invited them to sacrifice to their gods? The people ate the sacrificial meal and bowed down before these gods. So Israel yoked themselves to Baal of Peor and the Lord's anger burned against them. These are people that you could not curse. These are people that you could not curse. But there was one thing that could finish them that could make God's judgment and justice to come upon them. They use sex to make them to begin to bow down to idols and sacrifice to idols. Let's go on. 
And the Lord said to Moses, take all the liver of these people, of these people, kill them and expose them in the broad daylight before the Lord, so that the Lord's fierce anger may turn away from Israel. So Moses said to Israel's judges, each of you must put to death those of your people who have yoked themselves to Baal of Peor. Then an Israelite man brought it to the camp of Midianites. <laughs> so you people have just finished doing great evil and judgment is coming. But this one, the, the people that the first um, first tranche or first shift of idolaters, they went, they went to do immorality, they slept with women, they sacrificed their own idol, they brought their women back to the camp. But this one was the last. Maybe his own um, sacrifice took longer than other people. So he was the last to come into the camp. Other people, they have, they have lined them up. They're about to collect. This one was just coming. Look at where he was coming. Then an Israelite man brought into the camp a Midianite woman right before the eyes of Moses and the whole assembly of Israel while they were weeping at the entrance of the tent meeting. So God is dealing with some people and they were weeping that God, please have mercy. We will not do it again. This one now took his idolatrous babe, him and his babe. After they bowed down to Satan, they're now walking and strolling into the temple. So we've sacrificed to idols, babe. Let's go and continue in the room. Verse 7, it now says, when Phinehas, son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, saw this, he left the assembly with a spear in his hand and followed the Israelites into the tent. He drove the spear into both of them, right through the Israelites' man and into the woman's stomach. Then the plague against the Israelites was stopped. But those who died in the plague, number 24,000. And the Lord said to Moses, Phinehas, the Lord said to Moses, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, has turned my anger away from the Israelites, since he was zealous for the honor of my among um, since he was zealous for my honor among them as I am. I do not put an end. I do not put. I did not put an end to them in my zeal. Now, the Israelites brought this upon themselves. The Israelites brought this upon themselves. What did Balaam do that was wrong? Because if you read it act together, Balaam looks like the victim in chapter 22, chapter 24. He was on his own when a king came and said, you must go and curse. He was going because it was a whole king, a mighty king was telling him, come and curse people. He was the victim. Ah, please, I don't want to go. God said, don't go. The king came and said, you must go again. He said, ah, okay, I don't have a choice. Let me just follow the king. And even when I wanted to talk, said, before I talk, God will take over my mouth and make sure I speak only what is true. Why did all the apostles tell us that Malam was a terrible person? The apostles were just recording what Moses said. Look at Numbers 31. You see what happened in chapter 25 here? We don't know what happened, right? We just know that they were there to curse you. The curse could not work. Well, you now, they now did something that made the curse to be like as if you are cursed. You now see Numbers 31, verse 15. So these guys, they went to, um, they went into battle. Verse 13 says, Mo, um, Moses, Eleazar the priest, and all the leaders of the community went to meet them outside the camp. Moses was angry with the officers of the army, the commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds who had returned from battle. So they went to go and fight against the Moabites, right? Then verse 15 now says, have you allowed all the women to leave? He asked them. They were the ones who followed Balaam's advice and enticed the Israelites to be unfaithful to the Lord in the pure incident so that a plague struck God's people and then they were judged too so what the Israelites that followed the idolatry men and women were judged and the men and women that taught the Israelites the idolatry they didn't escape they were also judged but who orchestrated it so we don't know how he did it he was forming like a victim 
Now a lot of other things in that story begin to make sense. God tells you, don't go. A king comes and tells you, you must come. And then you start going. She be from the first moment, if you say you do not know, when God says don't go, she be stay in your house. When they come back, what will you tell them? What will you tell them? Sometimes when people are pretending like as if they don't have a choice, it's the love of money that is moving them. Do you understand what's happening here? God had told Balaam, don't go. Then the king came back again with gold and said, come, let's go. He now said, oh yeah, let's go now. Oh yeah, let's go now. It's not, oh yeah, let's go now. What's happening there, like Apostle Peter tells us, is that it's actually because of money that was following the king. God had told him, don't go. He was forming victim as if it was he didn't have a choice. He had a choice. So it was money that was moving him. But thank God that God did not allow him to use his way. The angel took over the way and did not allow him to see any kind of evil. But he didn't stop there. Behind the scenes, even though he could not curse them, guess what he did? He taught them how to deal with the Israelites. And how did you deal with the Israelites? He says, make them go into idolatry. Make them begin to say yes to, to another entity apart from Yahweh. Make them begin to worship these gods. And what is the entrance way? What is the door through which this um, idolatry will come in? Having sex. First Corinthians chapter 10. From as one says, Apostle Paul is teaching us. He says, For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud, and they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them, and their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things occurred as an example to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. These things happened to warn us so that we will not set our hearts on evil things as they did. The way John said it was that he that loves the world cannot do the will of God. Because this world and all that is in it is passing away. Verse 7 now says, Do not be idolaters as some of them were, and it is written, The people sat down to eat and to drink, and got up to indulge in revelry. What does idolatry do to people? What does idolatry do to people? It makes people to set their hearts on things other than God. And that's why the truth is that idolatry can be very seductive. It can be very deceptive. Idolatry can be very seductive. It can be very deceptive. Like Balaam, it can be walking behind the scenes and you will not know. And you will not know. And this is the way to know when you have set your heart on something, when you have lost the spirit of the Sabbath, when you have begun to love the world, when you have begun to love the world, what is the way? Is that that thing you will not be able to say no to it. What is that thing that you cannot say no to? What is that thing that you cannot say no to? 
That's number one. And number two, what is that thing that you always say yes to along with God? That second one is more tricky. Idolatry is very tricky. Because there are two types of idolatry. You can hold a God. You can rebel from God and hold another idol and hold it as your supreme entity and say this is the idol you are worshipping now. Or you can hold God and hold other idols with him together and you are worshipping it together. Do you understand that? Mm. You see the second one is very tricky. Because in a sense you are still worshipping God. But it's not only God you are worshipping. These are the two forms of idolatry. That second one is more innocuous, is more destructive, is more pernicious. It is low-key, it is soft, and it destroys your life. God is alone, is one God, and there is no other beside him. So if you have a system in your heart where you have an entity that you cannot say no to, that means it is alone as God in your heart, or you have another other entities that you always say yes to along with God, both of them are idolatry. And both of them will destroy your life. You have to think. I was asking myself, Lord, when I was thinking about how deep this thing is, I was asking myself, that, Lord, what is the solution? What is the solution? Like, what is the solution? And I looked through the Bible and I discovered that there is no other solution that the apostles show other than to warn people. Just to warn people. Constantly warning them. Just like Apostle Paul is doing here. Warning them. Be careful. The same thing John was doing, warning them, don't love any other thing. Warning them. And the warnings come from the word of God. That's why many times when you are elevating other things to become God alongside Jesus in your heart, when you begin to elevate other things along to become God alongside Jesus in your heart, you don't even know because it is subtle. It is like Balaam walking behind the scenes. This is the danger of false prophets. That they look good outside. They even look like the victim outside. But behind the scenes, they are teaching you to set your heart on other things. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? That's why one of the symptoms of false prophets is that they like to glorify themselves. If you see a prophet that is bringing glory to himself, that the way he comports himself, the way he shows himself, the way he preaches, is to glorify his ministry, is a false prophet. Because every prophet, because even the word of God, even the spirit of prophecy testifies about who? So if you are a prophet and the spirit of prophecy is speaking through you, who are you meant to glorify? Even the Holy Spirit came to glorify who? Okay, in case those that, that you just started going to church, all the person I'm talking about is Jesus. You understand? I'm, I'm, people are finishing it here. Some people are not finishing it. The Holy Spirit came to glorify Jesus. The spirit of prophecy testifies of Jesus. So a prophet is, when he's prophesying, he's meant to glorify Jesus. If you notice a man showing himself and the glory is coming to him, he's a false prophet. Yeah, I just said now. Behind the scenes, they are causing your heart to be set on other things. So if you notice that you begin to interact with a man that is a prophet and you notice that money begins to become exalted in your heart, that's Balaam. Eliezer is coming for you. You are not hearing. You are not paying attention. <laughs> what did I say? Eliezer is coming. 
you begin to interact with certain kinds of things and you notice that some other things um, status and influence is now your thing that you are exalting in your heart gradually Elias is coming for you now let me just quickly talk about these things and this is very very is a little bit complicated but let me just break it down I think I'll talk about it one of these midweeks write the scriptures down first Corinthians chapter 8 Apostle Paul talks about idolatry and in Romans chapter 14 Romans chapter 14 is the same in, is the same injunction and teaching on idolatry now this is what he says in idol, in that Romans in first Corinthians chapter 8 in Romans in first Corinthians chapter 8 and Romans chapter 14 Apostle Paul was teaching that we know that idols are nothing and guys I want you to listen to me and pay attention very well at this point I'm about to say something very interesting in 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and Romans chapter 14, Apostle Paul was teaching that we know that idols are nothing. We know that idols don't mean anything. We know that there's only one God. So, if a man is eating food sacrificed to idols, we know that there's nothing in it. But Apostle Paul now says, but there are some people that think that it is, their conscience is still tender. And those kinds of people, they still feel like as if there's something in it. For such people, right, because of them, don't eat food sacrificed to idols so that you don't injure them. Do you understand? Because of them, you're working in love towards them. Don't eat food sacrificed to idols so that you don't cause them harm. Then if you now go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 from verse 14. Apostle Paul now, it seems like as if he now changed mouths. In chapter 8, he said, idols are nothing. Idols are nothing. There's no big deal with idols. So, there's no big deal. Just, those that cannot eat it because of them just don't eat it but you that is not a big deal that your, your faith is strong then it's not a big deal for you then it seems like as if you change mouth in chapter 14 in chapter 10 first Corinthians chapter 10 verse 14 now write that one down it now seems like he changes mouth in um, first Corinthians chapter 10 verse 14 look how it says it now says therefore my brethren free from idolatry I speak to sensible people judge for yourselves what I see now he's talking about food offered to idols that's why many people say that the, the Lord's Supper is about fellowshipping with the believers it's total nonsense See, verse 16. It's not the cup of thanksgiving that we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ. And it's not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ. So the participation is not um, we are fellowshipping as believers. He's talking about eating the bread and drinking the cup. He now says, because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, we all share in that one loaf. So we actually share. We gather together at church and we share a loaf of bread. He now says, consider the people of Israel. Do not eat the sacrifice. Do not eat those. Um, do not those who eat the sacrifice participate in the altar. So you see that. He was talking about in the days of Israel. When people must, um, do um, feast offering unto the Lord and all those kind of feasts unto the Lord. They offer it unto the Lord. And then they eat in the presence of God. Right? Verse 19 now says, do I mean that the food sacrificed to idol is anything? Or that an idol is anything? No. But... The sacrifices of pagans are offered to demons, not to God. And I do not want you to be participants with demons. So he's talking about eating. Like as if he's changing mouths. Like as if he's suddenly saying, the demons are nothing. There's only one God. But I don't want you to eat food committed to demons. He now says, I do not want you to be participants with demons. Do not drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. So do not go for the Lord's supper in church and drink the, the cup and say, this is the, this is the blood of the Christ, the new covenant in my blood. And say, the Christ is here. And then you now go and eat the food that they've given Shongu. He says, I don't want you to do that. That's after saying, it's not a big deal. Follow. you see what's happening now. 
I don't want to partake in both the Lord's table and the table of demons. Are we trying to arouse the Lord's jealousy? Are we stronger than he? And he says, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. Now, Paul now begins to show us what he actually saying. In that church, there were some people that demons are not a big deal to. But there were some people that demons are a big deal to. And this is something that you need to, I'm going to talk about it now. He's now telling them that, see, when someone believes that a food has been sacrificed to a demon, it's not a small thing. It's an issue. Because the way foods are sacrificed to demons and by eating the food of the demon, you are participating in it. And if many of you don't grow up, didn't grow up in proper pagan cultures, you might not really understand. But if you grew up in a pagan culture, you will understand. If, you have, if you've ever had pagans around you, you will actually understand. When someone says, Monorubo, right, they actually believe that that food is unto the gods. And when you are eating that, you are actually participating with those demons. When someone gets saved, what the person gets saved from is now to believe that those demons are not God and is worshipping God Almighty. It's possible that the person will look at that and say, they are, they are demons. I don't want to eat the food that demons are eating because it's like as if I'm interacting with demons. So I'd rather not eat it. But some of you that come from, maybe you are raised in Abuja and your parents, parents have been professors forever. You will now say, I'm serving someone on purpose because I'll tell you the reason why. You now come and say, what's the big, oh God, bring the food, may we chop. This argument is analogous to an, a debate that we had some time ago. We were talking about changing, people changing their surname. It's a quintessential argument about it. Someone's surname is, there's nobody like Ugu. And then he gets saved. You know, say you want to be calling him Samuel. There's nobody like Ogun. Someone that believes, someone that has lived the life where Ogun killed people. <laughs> someone that has seen them cut dog in half and pour the blood on someone and saw how Ogun went to kill somebody. The person now gets saved and his son name was Ogun is the greatest. He's now in church and you're now saying, Brother Ogun is the greatest. Please, can you come and share your testimony? That kind of brother will say, I cannot bear a name called Ogun is the greatest. I'm changing it to Jesus is the greatest. Someone will now say, that brother, get out. His faith is not strong. Or God, he knows what he is saying. So, do you understand that? Now, but this is where I'm going. He now says, no one should, verse 24 says, no one should seek their own good, but the good of others. Eat anything sold in the market without raising questions of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. If an unbeliever invites you, verse 21, he now goes on and now say, verse 23, but if someone says to you, this has been offered to idols, then do not eat it, both for the sake of the one who told you and for the sake of what? Conscience. So two things are happening here. So there are two things happening here. There are believers that believe that the demons are nothing. They don't affect me. And there are believers who have tasted the power of demons before. And they know that believe. Demons are something, but they are not God. Do you understand that? Both of them, idolatry is different for them. And this talks about the two types of idolatry I was talking about. There is a group of people. Demons are nothing to them. But they have gotten into a new kind of idolatry. What is the idolatry? They cannot say no to their ego. They cannot say no to their way. Your brother is stumbling. In the faith, and this is what I tell you that that idolatry is very seductive. Your brother, your brother is struggling with something. He knows what demons can do. He does not want to participate in it. You now sit down there with him and say, "Bring the food that they've offered to Shopmano. May we chop him?" He said, "Bro, I can't eat food that is Shopmano." He said, "No, no, 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 no. We are the new believers in Christ. 
Do you know what's happening there? That brother that feels like he's not, Demos is nothing, he's in idolatry. Not the idolatry is, he's the idolatry of ego. He cannot say no to himself. He cannot say no to his own way. Why is it impossible for you to say no to eating food sacrificed to idols for the sake of your brethren's faith? Why can't you say no? So, idolatry is that thing you cannot say no to. Say, um, um, the Old Testament people were saying that women should not wear trousers, but now we have exigences. He was not talking about we are not under the law of Moses anymore. Those were ceremonial laws. Now we know better. And even apart from that, there are men and women trousers. So therefore, a woman can wear trousers. A woman can wear miniskirts. We have the Holy Spirit now and everything and everything and everything. And someone says, the way you are dressing or in this church for the sake of the weak, we don't want you to dress inappropriately. Dress properly. That's it. I'm free in Christ. Why can't you say no to dressing? Your idol is clothes. Your idol is miniskirts. You are worshipping trousers. You don't know. Why can't you say no? Why can't you say no to dressing anyhow you like? This church says, for the sake of whatever reason the elders have said, we don't want men to wear earring. Don't plate your hair. I'm giving an example, right? <laughs> oh God. I'm just giving an example. Joe, get out. Face here. The elders say, I don't want you to dress in a certain way. Don't wear earring. And I say, no. Jesus died for me. In fact, what does earring have to do? What does men having tattoo have to do with anything? The salvation is from within. Earring is nothing. In fact, the Old Testament Jews were wearing earring. Now start bringing all kinds of exigencies. Why can't you say no? You are worshipping earring. He said, what's the big deal about Netflix? I'm saved. I read my Bible every day. Why can't you say no? Twitter, social media, and all those things. Why can't you say no? Then there are the other group of believers. These ones have seen what the demons can do. These ones have seen that it is a problem. Paul now says something. He says, I don't want you to participate in the table of demons. So there are some people that since they know what Ogun can do, or what they've done, they've seen what Ogun has done in the past, but they know that God is great. In still interacting with Ogun, knowing that Ogun is their weakness, is them bowing down because they know in their heart that what they are doing is that they are submitting to Ogun by doing so. They come from a world where to eat Ogun's food is to worship Ogun, is in their heart and they know, and they are no more doing that. So they don't want to do it again. They will not say, because some people are not doing it, I want to do it. So they will now go and give themselves to that weakness of faith. They will not give themselves to that thing in their heart. It's not like as if they are going back to worshipping Ogun. That is also another idolatry. What that means is this. Objectively, there are some people among us that, um, um, what do you call it? Um, you know, wear miniskirts and wear all those trousers for them. It's not a big deal. It's not, you know, those things and all that. But where you are coming from, where you are coming from, you know that when we wear miniskirts, we know we're going to finish somebody. We know the effect is to have on that brother. I'm going to finish it. It must look. Because I, I learned, you know, I learned from the leaders around me that they can tell that your eyes, the guys, they're looking at your eyes when they're looking to you. When your eyes are going, they can tell the way your eyes is looking. They know the kind of clothes they will wear that is fire clothes. That when I wear these clothes, I will finish him. He must collect. You now got saved. 
you now got saved. There was somebody that was born to a Christian home where clothes does not make a difference. But you, you know that clothes makes a difference. You now get saved and you keep dressing the same way. You keep dressing the same way. You two, you are worshipping clothes. You know that when you were in the world, when you go with mini skirts and clothes that does not have back, and you go to a place, every man there will be lost in after you because you were doing it on purpose. Then you got saved and you are still coming to church dressing like that. God will punish you. <laughs> you guys, you guys are, you are laughing, but I know what I'm saying. Let me crack these jokes and let them get into your mind. Church, I get what I'm saying to you. Let me crack these jokes and let me get into your mind. That's what's happening nowadays. We get saved and you continue living the same way. <laughs> you continue living the same way as if nothing changed. You continue living the same way as if nothing changed. Church, are you with me? Church, I get what I'm saying to you. So the believer who demons are still something to should not eat the Lord's Supper and still participate in the food of the table of demons. And the believer unto whom demons are nothing to should not participate in the plate of demons for the sake of his words, brethren. Therefore, what is that thing that you always say yes to along with God? It's seductive. I always read my Bible, but I always must go on social media. Everybody's collecting, you know, including the person preaching, all right? Uh -huh. What is that thing that you always say yes to? Always. There should be nothing in your life that you always say yes to. There should be no such thing. You cannot say you always say yes to food. Whenever you have an urge to eat, you must eat. You cannot say you always say yes to something. Whatever you always say yes to, even if you are always saying yes to God. Because you will not know. Just because you are always saying yes to God does not mean you are not in idolatry. Because someone can worship Ogu and Jesus together. Do you don't understand? Trust me, I grew up in the village. I've seen it. Someone will be going to church and in the evening, he will go to Babalao. Are you what I'm saying to you? Church, are you hear what I'm saying to you? You can either be a polytheist idolator or a monotheist idolator. Polytheism means you have many gods along with God. Monotheism means you have only one God that is not God. Both of them are idolatry. So what are you always saying yes to? There should be no such thing in your life. There should be no such thing. There should be nothing that you cannot let go of. All things that... So that's why we'll be having some arguments. People will not be acting like as if it's lawful, but it's not beneficial. Listen to me. There are some things that look lawful, but are, can become idols to you when you cannot say no to them again or you're always saying yes to them. Don't let anything bring you under the power of itself. When you're warning people about things like this, the people will not turn it to um, um, what's bad about it. Even the Bible says, kineko, kineko. that's not what the argument is about. The argument is about what you are always saying yes to. One of the things that turned out from that, that was well demonstrated in the spirit of the Sabbath from the Old Testament is the issue of money. Is the, the issue of money. Don't worship money. This, the day of the Sabbath even typified it very well. That you will have a day where you will not do any business. No matter the contract that they give you, on that day you will not do the business. It can go. Because that is unto the Lord. Listen to me. 
if you know God, it's not every kind of job you can take. But that's part of the problem with this thing, this prosperity thing. When the end justifies the means, you think everything is just about making money for the sake of the kingdom. No, you are not a kingdom financier. You say, let me make money so I can support the kingdom. No, the means and the end are both important to God. No matter how rich certain things will make you and you plan to use it for the kingdom, it's still wrong. Any job that you cannot say no to, any job that will take you away from God, any job that has turned to the fact that we will not see you in church again, that is Elias are coming for your soul. If God has given you house, clothing and shelter, food, clothing and shelter, leave it. This is Christianity, yo. This is Christianity. I hear what I'm saying to you. This is Christianity. It's not every job that you take. Sometimes you will live some things and live a more moderate life. A more, you understand? For the sake of you, for the sake of um, staying in, 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 in line with God. Yes, it's not every job you can take. It's never opportunity to say, oh, there's all there's oh, for promotion. But this promotion, you'll be traveling around the world. Can you call, can you call your family? You'll not see we all gah. Many, many have seen that. I say, ah, come and walk this city place. Can you call? you just be traveling everywhere, everywhere. she, thank you. I have house. I have food. I can pay my children's school fees. Leave the rest. My children don't need to go to all those big schools. The one they are going to is enough. Which one did I go to? Which one did you go to? Did they not turn out all right? Leave them. Leave it. Because God has a plan for my life. Forget all these things that the measure of a man is how big his money is. You see this money one. You will say no. If you want to be a child of God, if you want to serve God, you will say no. I'm telling you. This is the thing that idols to do. If you have anything in your life that you always say, that you cannot say no to, or you always say yes to, with, uh, along with God, let me tell you what will happen over time. Over time, that thing will begin to make you have a low view of God. God will start becoming small in your eyes, gradually, gradually, gradually. It works in different kind of mechanisms. I don't need to go into all that. Over time, we'll be talking about it. It works in different ways in our hearts. That this thing, this thing happens to us in different ways. But the effect is that God will start looking small, 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 small in your eyes. One day, you just start tweeting stupid things. You just start saying nonsense. Just again, I'm saying to you. But the Lord will preserve you. The Lord will hold you. The Lord will not allow idols carry you away. In the name of Jesus. Let's bow down our heads and let's, let's worship. Faithful is he who has called you. Faithful is he who has called you out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his marvelous son. He also will do it unto the day of our Lord. He also will preserve you unto the day of our Lord. He also will hold you up unto the day of our Lord. I pray for you in the name of Jesus. I pray for you in the name of Jesus. That your heart is tender for God. Your heart is tender for God. In the name of Jesus. There's a certain kind of sweetness. When you know that when you when you see the real presence of God in your life, where nothing in this world compares. I pray for you in the name of Jesus. That you will taste God in that sweet way. That sweetness where God is sweeter than money, where God is sweeter than all the other things of the flesh. 
that sweetness of God, that understanding and that experience of God, I pray for you that you will experience the same in the name of Jesus. And the Lord will keep you. The Lord will keep you. Your Christian life will be only such that it will go deeper and deeper every day in the name of Jesus. Your Christian experience will only be such that you will grow deeper and deeper, stronger and stronger in the love of God. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope you were blessed. For more updates on our programs and audio messages, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at This Excellent Church. God bless you.